Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. So good to be here tonight on a Friday night. Can we give Jesus the greatest praise that we can give? As, come on, we can do better than that. Come on, let's give him all the praise. He's our Savior. Amen. It's so good to be here tonight. Uh, take your seats, take your seats. It's so good to be here tonight. Thank you to uh, uh, Pastor Byron and Pastor Candice and uh, Pastor Byron for inviting me tonight. It's really such an honor to be here, to serve you, to serve your church. And I really hope that our time together tonight is going to be, um, it's gonna, God is going to use it to speak into our lives. I, I hear a whole lot of excitement through the raffling of uh, uh, lunch bar papers. So I'm praying that the energy will last for 40 minutes and uh, it's going to be a good night. You know what, um, it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of um, intentional living and deliberate decisions to build a good church. Um, it, good things don't just happen. The decisions that are made that make things happen in life. And, and this church, Thrive Church, is not just something that happens by itself. It's, it happens and it's been influential and it's growing and it's increasing and it's, it's going further into the cities because um, your leaders, your pastors have made decisions that are deliberate decisions to advance the kingdom. And you have a great pastor and a great pastor's wife is in, in Pastor Candice. And I, I want to ask us if we can just thank God for Pastor Bob. Byron and Candice, and everything they do to build the local church. You know, I'm a, I'm a PK, I'm a pastor's kid, so like I grew up in church. I've seen everything that can possibly happen in church happen, and, and we've had guest speakers coming through our church, and growing up, my parents having guest speakers, uh, re-hosting guest speakers, and, and you know, you get two kinds, of, two kinds of speakers. You get those who just believe God that everything's going to happen. Then you get the ones that really make things happen. They're the ones that don't just believe God's going to do something, that they actually get up, they make decisions, they, 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 they seek God's face, and then they step out in faith, and they trust God to do something. Well, that's who Pastor Byron is. Pastor Byron is a man who doesn't just believe that if he prays, God is going to make something happen. He believes in the power of prayer, but he believes that he's got to get up. He's got to step up. He's got to be the man of the moment to lead God's people. And listen, yeah, Pastor Byron doesn't make decisions based on his public ministry. He makes decisions to advance the people in the kingdom of God. And that's the leader you want. And I want to encourage you, if you're here tonight with a friend and you don't have a local church, this is a local church you need to get your life connected to because when your life gets connected to the local church, the Bible teaches us, that's when your life is going to flourish, it's going to blossom. And you know what? It's so awesome that we can gather here tonight as a group of men. Because listen, this is something that happens when men gather. Like there's so many good things that happen when men gather. You know what? When heaven sees men gather, heaven starts to mobilize some plans. Heaven starts to release some power. Heaven starts to release some purpose into men's lives. Because whenever God wants to do something significant, He chooses a man. And tonight we gather, and it's like I said, there's so many great things that happen when we gather as a man. The only downside about men gathering in a room is that the room doesn't smell that good. But I'm okay with that, okay? I put a lot of cologne on, and so if you see me doing this, it's just because I'm, I'm just trying to refresh myself, okay, in the moment. But no, jokes aside, it's so good to be here. I am married, and I've been married for 17 years to my wife, Shelly. I think we got a picture of my family. That's my wife, Shelly. The young girl on the right-hand side, that's Mia. The other one is Hannah. And um, Shelly, I chose Shelly. She chose me. I chose her. It was God-ordained. She's known me since she was five years old. 
at the age of five, she said, God, I'm going to marry that man. I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm five years older than Shelly. Man, you might be judging me going for younger women, but we'll talk when I'm 70. And if you married a, man, a woman, married a woman, if you married a woman that's older than you, come on, anyone marry a woman? Oh, come on, guys, I'm going to be praying for you when you hit 70. Uh, just look after them, and we'll talk about that. So, no, listen, it's a true story. Um, we, so we've, been, we've, been, we've known each other our whole life. We grew up in church together, and uh, God is really doing something so significant in our lives, and we're so grateful to God and humbled by it. We have two children, um, Hannah. Is 13 years old. Her name means highly favored of God. And so whenever we call her name, she knows that she's highly favored of God. And that is a true living testament. Some of our team are here. They'll testify to that. That things just happen in her life. God's favor is on her life. And then we've got Mia. Her name means absolutely nothing. We just like the name. And so we thought we'd call her Mia because she was made in Africa. M-I-A. Anyway, so that's all good. And um, so, so that's all good. Amen. Something awesome about when we get together. You know, when men, men get together, it's so good. You, you know, I love my wife with all my heart, and I pray that I could be a godly husband. I pray that I could be a godly father, be an example for my daughters to choose a godly man one day. But, but women just don't get some things. Like, they don't get testosterone. Like, they don't get the idea that we like to compete, and we like to win at all costs. So like my wife went away a few weeks ago and she was on a trip and so I decided I'm going to take my daughters to go play some temp and bowling. So we go play temp and bowling and so they asked dad, can we get the, roll, the, the side bars up and, and can we play with the side bars? And I said, absolutely, let's go for it, baby. You need all the help you need. Dad's in the house. And so we started bowling and I teach my daughter, you got to throw with a straight arm and she releases with the straight arm and she's hitting it and now she's scoring high and I'm starting to think, I'm her dad. She's 13 and I'm losing. And I step up, the man in the moment. I step up and I take the ball and I start playing. And I'm like, baby, you're doing so well, but I am not going to let you lose. I'm not going to let you win. I am not going to lose in this moment. I am going to win in this moment. Don't judge me as being a harsh father. That's the way God has wired us. That's the way God has wired all men. He's wired me to be public with my victories. Some of you are quiet with your victories. I can't help that. I like to win the trophy, baby. Come on. We've got to be men that rise up in the moment. And so tonight, really, the theme, the theme of tonight is the man of the moment. And tonight, the message that I want to preach, I pray God's going to speak into your heart. I've titled this message, Stepping Up. Stepping Up. Because God wants men to step up. God has empowered men to step up. And so why don't we do this? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's open up our hearts to receive His Word tonight. Father, as we come to you tonight, Lord, we thank you that you're such a good God. You're such a gracious God. Father, you're a God who loves your men. You love your sons. So God, I pray tonight that men would be inspired by your word, Lord. God, I pray that you would use me, Lord, just as a vessel to deliver what you want to be made known tonight to the men in this house. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that the anointing is always on your word, Father. So Father God, I thank you that your word would penetrate the hearts and settle and take root in people's hearts tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Here's an unchangeable fact or truth about life. And that is this, is that God has created you and he has designed you to be a man who steps up in the moment. God has designed us in such a way that, that he wants you and I to take responsibility, to step up in the moment. And like I said earlier, whenever God wants to do something on planet earth, whenever he wants to make a change or a shift in humanity, he chooses a man. He chooses a man to partner with. 
And tonight, what you need to know is that God wants to partner with you. No matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, no matter how you got here tonight, irrespective of your background, irrespective of your age, you need to know this one one fact tonight is that God has chosen you, God has appointed you, God has a call for your life, and God wants you to step up and fulfill all the plans and purposes that He has for your life. He's called you and I not to be men that retreat, but men to that men that would be advancing and stepping up to the call that He has on our life. If that's the declaration that I can make over your life tonight, let it be the declaration that would take root into your heart, a statement that would resonate with your spirit that God has chosen you. God has chosen you for such a time as this that you would live in this moment of life. You could have been chosen for the 1900s. You could have been chosen for the 22nd century. But God saw it fit to choose you for this moment so that he could use you for his purpose and his glory and that your life could flourish and your life could be blessed in Jesus' name. History shows that men who stood up in the moment, men who made an impact on society, were men who said, I will stand up when life calls. And God, what God is looking for is looking for you and I to stand up, you and I to step up to the plate, you and I to to call on heaven, to call on the power that is available. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says this, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those men or those people who love him. You know how you get to see what God has in store? It's when you and I decide we're going to step up. When we are going to step up to what God wants. And so many of us in this room have heard the story about David and Goliath. The story is never changes. David always kills Goliath. Okay. And so this is an amazing story in Scripture. And what's so amazing about the story is that David is living in a place of obscurity. He's living in a place where he's isolated, where, where his own family, come on, listen, David doesn't even get invited to the anointing party. I mean, it's one thing, listen, it's one thing. When, when your enemy is against you and your enemy kind of counts you like the underdog. But when your own family don't even recognize you, don't even give you consideration that you could be something in life, that's a whole other story. But God calls this young man and David, he calls this young man and, and what's so amazing, even though he has this, 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 this opposition against him, whenever he's called upon, Whenever he gets asked to step up in the moment, he steps up and he conquers the moment. He maximizes every moment that he's called to. And so in 1 Samuel, I want to just read a little bit of the story about David and Goliath. We know the story that David goes down and, and he sees, gets to the battleground. And so what we're going to pick up is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, as the battle starts to heat up. It says here in verses 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brother how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see, OMG, how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give a great wealth to the man who kills him, and he'll also give him his daughter in marriage, come on, and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. I'll just do that for the taxes. (laughs) David said to Saul, listen to this, let no one lose heart. 
I want to encourage some men, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart tonight. Do not let one man lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Guys, this is what you need to know. Whenever you stand up to fight on God's behalf, you activate heaven's power. You see, you're not fighting for your wife. You're fighting for the daughter of a king. You're not fighting for your finances. You're fighting to supply the kingdom of God. You see, when we realize what our real fight is, it changes how we fight. It changes our thinking and our condition of how we approach the battle. So Saul replied, you are not able to go against this giant, against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep off um, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the land of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So listen to what happens. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I'll come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver me. Come on, that's faith speaking. The Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. He comes from the east end. Like in the south, we just knock out a guy. He's like, man, I've got some knives on me. Pastor Byron says, I come from the south. We don't come with gifts. We come with knives. We come with weapons. Amen. And he says, listen, I'll cut off his head. And this very day, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. Listen, the battle is always the Lord's when you're fighting for the Lord. And so he says, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you... Uh, he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. What an amazing story. That a young man living in obscurity, a young man nobody gives a chance to, that he gets to a moment in life and he prepares himself to face this giant. So, so the question is, how did David get to a battleground where he was never invited to, never exposed to, being in, facing a giant, a potential national disaster, gets up and he's able to face this giant. And not only face the giant, but destroy the giant. And if you're taking notes, this is a very important part. You see, David was able to face the moment and conquer the moment. And this is what we need to know. You are not made in the moment. You are revealed in the moment. You see, David wasn't made. David was preparing while he was in the field. David was preparing while he was tending the sheep. David was preparing while he was at home. 
And every time David prepared himself in private, he got stronger for the public battles. You see, God is looking for men that will not chase the public battles. But men that will prepare themselves in private so that when the public battles arise, they will have the power to face the public battles, destroy the public battles, not get onto the teasers bus. <laughs> Just a joke, Pastor. Because <laughs> this is what you know. If you're taking notes, write this down. Private preparation determines public outcomes. So where you are today with God is based on what you did yesterday. And where I'll be tomorrow with God is based on what I put in my private life with God today. And so whenever I'm with God, I'm preparing myself to have power for the public battles. And so what David did is whenever he was in private, he lived his life intentionally. David was either meditating on the Word of God, he was either worshiping in isolation, he was really practicing the presence of God, practicing praising God, and so when he was faced with public situations, he knew what to do because he had filled himself with God in private. You see, church, when we spend time with God, things start to change in our life. Our perspective starts to change. Our speech starts to change. Our faith levels start to change. Everything in our life starts to change when we are with God because who you hang out with is who you become. And the more I hang out with him, I become like him. And the more I become like him, I start to behave like him. That's why David could walk up and say, you're going down tonight, baby. Not you, but you get what I'm saying? That's why he was able to do that. You see, there's this, the success of David's, David's life was not his public victory. The success of David's life was happening private. It happened, as Pastor Byron said earlier, when, when the screens come up in the middle of the night, when the temptations arise and, and the business deals promise something that they can't really deliver. It's the decisions that you make in private that determine how you live in public. Jesus said this amazing statement. He says, what is ever done in private will always be revealed in public. And the more I spend time with God in private, the stronger my spirit gets. The more time I spend with God in private, the more I start to believe that I, that I can conquer the public arenas of my life. You see, you see when, you, when you realize that you are validated in private, you don't need to be validated in public. And there are too many men that are trying to be validated by the wrong people. There's only one man who can validate you. His name is Jesus Christ. There's only one who can say that you are called and you are chosen. There's only one who died for you. His name is Jesus Christ. And so, so we've got to learn to spend time with God, and we've got to learn to prepare ourselves. You see, the, the Bible teaches us, this is a most phenomenal scripture, it teaches us that, that many have been called, but few have been chosen. The difference between the called and the chosen is one word, it's called preparation. You see, all of us have been called in this room to do something significant, but not all of us will take the time to prepare for the call. And God says, if you would prepare to do something with the call I've put on your life, I will start to show you a world that you've never seen. I'll start to show you heaven's supply and heaven's resources. And I'll start to show you things that will blow your mind because this is the God we serve. He never leaves us the same way he finds us. When we plug into him, when we connect with him, and when we are with him, and we start to speak his language, our lives change in Jesus' name. If you believe it, give him a great praise today. You've got to learn to prepare for the moment. You see, preparation is the key to progress. See, the world is moving 
so fast. And right now in our world, there is so much that has been thrown into the face of men. There's so much. In actual fact, more than what we could ever handle. In actual fact, there's so much that's been thrown to us, we don't even recognize it anymore because there's just so much of it. But this is the reality is that you've got to learn what you're going to, you've got to predetermine what you're going to do when you face certain situations. You've got to learn to predetermine when life comes at you because life is coming at you. You see, the predetermination is simply this. It's the ability to decide what you will do in a situation before the situation arises. It's like, I know what I'm going to do when I face that giant in my life. I know what I'm going to do when this happens in my life. Many of us know the story about, uh, maybe you heard this, haven't heard the story, but I want to share it with you. Many of us could have, about Captain, uh, about that Captain Chelsea Sullenberger. Um, the, it's called the miracle on the Hudson. So what happened was he, one afternoon, he took off at 3.21 a.m., at 3.21 p.m., he took off, and then uh, really 30, 36 minutes into the flight, the, a, Canadian, a flock of Canadian geese impact the airplane, hit the screen, the, the pilot screen, go into the, the engines, and nine, 19 seconds later, the plane loses all power, starts to descend, loses altitude, and, and so he starts to... Mayday, mayday, we need to land, emergency landing. He, they said to him, come back to LaGuardia International. He says, I can't do that. He says, let me go to another airport. He says, I can't do that. You can't do that. You don't have power. And so, so he has this idea that what he's going to do is he's going to land this plane on the Hudson River. And he was, the, the aviation world has called it the most successful airplane crash. All 155 people were saved. And they interviewed him and they said to him, how did you do it? And he said, I fly this route every single day. And every, t- well, not every day, but every time I fly this route, he says, what will I do if the plane burns out, faulty, engines stop? He said, he asked himself this question, what will I do? And he said, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start to practice how to land on the Hudson. He started imagining his mind what he will do. Man, I wanna encourage you. Do you have an enemy who's trying to steal your power? You have an enemy who's trying to steal your altitude with God. You and I have to be in the private times of our life, and we've got to make a decision. What will I do when Delilah walks past? What will I do when a business deal involves bribery and corruption comes past? What will I do when I want to get angry? Come on, I've just been real. What will I do? When fear wants to get hold of me, I have to predetermine what I will do in this situation. What will I do when I get a doctor's report that does not line up with God's word? What will I do when when the enemy starts to attack my family? What will I do when there is an intruder into my private relationship? I have to predetermine in my heart what I will do. And God wants you and I to predetermine that realize that in life there are going to be moments that are going to be unseen, unforeseen moments, unknown moments that we are all going to encounter in our life, and we have to predetermine what we're going to do. And the way you know what you will do is based on what you filled yourself with. And if you fill yourself with God, you will respond. You will come to the top in Jesus' name. I believe it in Jesus' name. We have men in the East Strand that are not sitting down, men that are standing up, stepping up and saying, I am a man of God, I am chosen by God, and I'm going to fill the purposes of God. Because this is what you realize, is that giants are a part of life. Actually, giants are a part of life. And instead of looking at giants as something to defeat you, you've got to look at a giant as an opportunity for God to give you breakthrough. 
Because behind every giant is a blessing and a breakthrough. And so we all have giants. And these giants, some of these giants just have your name. Like I've got a giant in my life right now. It's got my name on. You're going to have giants in your future that have got your name on them. And they're only designed to stop you from fulfilling your purpose and your call of God on your life. I've got to make a decision what I'm going to do when the giants approach me. You see, this is what I realize in my own personal life, is that if I don't step up and face the giants, the giants will step over me. They're not going away. They come to conquer. But I have a God, his name is Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate giant slayer. He defeated the ultimate giant. It's called death and the grave. And because he defeated it, and I was born into his family, and I am a son of the Most High God, his DNA flows through me. And if his DNA flows through me, that means that I am a giant killer. I am a giant slayer because of the God who lives on the inside of me. You need to be awakened. There's a sleeping giant on the inside of you. It's time to fuel that giant so that you can defeat the giants that are trying to destroy you in Jesus' name. If you believe it, give God a great praise tonight. You see, giants are big, but they also have voices. They have the voice of inadequacy. They shout, you're inadequate. Everybody said, David, you can't. You're too small. You're just a ruddy young man. Why aren't you tending the sheep? What are you doing at the battle? You're inadequate. In the definition of inadequacy is mean not being enough in quantity and quality. That's what they said, David, you don't have the quality and you don't have the quantity. You don't have the kahunis to fight this giant. The second voice that giant speaks of, the voice of a giant is the voice of intimidation. That's what Goliath did. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to take you out. And when you lead the voice of intimidation, it leads to the third voice, and that's the voice of failure. That I'm not going to step out, and I'm not going to step up because I'm scared I'm going to fail. And God is calling you and I to overcome these giants, overcome these voices. And David was able to overcome these voices because he spent time with God. And I want to encourage you with every shout that the giant has at your life, heaven responds with an echo. And when the giant of inadequacies comes and shouts into your name, into your life and says, you're not good enough, you're not enough for this position, you're not big enough for this moment, you're not big enough to lead your family, you're not a man enough to make a career, you're not a man enough to live with purpose, the voice of inadequacy comes. You know what the voice of heaven says? That God says, I am more than enough for you. I am the God of the I am and what you are not, I am, so that you can be all that I've called you to be. When the voice of intimidation comes, this heaven echoes and responds that says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. When the voice of failure comes, God's voice says, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will cause you to be successful. Whose voice are you listening to? Because the voice you listen to will be the voice you follow. And so God wants us to rise up. You gotta see beyond the giant. You've got to see beyond the giant because there is a blessing on the other side of the giant. David kept asking, man, I love David's attitude. What will the man get? Like, they told him. And he says, tell me again, what are you going to get? Like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a king's wife and I'm going to be exempt from taxes. That means I'm going to live in the palace. Sometimes we've got to, we got to look at the giants and say, what am I going to get? What's, what's the freedom behind this giant? 
Because sometimes you need a bit of motivation to realize that beyond this giant is a world of breakthrough for you. It's a world of success. It's a world of blessing in Jesus' name. If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't seize in the moment. Rather, seize the moment. You see, the whole army for 40 days were paralyzed by Goliath. David steps up in the moment. He comes, delivers the cheese. He's the first delivery man. He delivers cheese and bread. I don't know if it was pizza, but the Bible says it was cheese and bread, okay? So it could have been hot bread with melted cheese on. It could have been pizza. don't know. He gets there and he delivers the pizza. And he looks at this giant and he says, man, you guys, you guys, you don't know who's on the inside of you. And I think to myself, within my own life, what more would I do if I realized what was inside of me? And you know what we want to encourage men tonight to realize there was something so powerful on the inside of you? You see, don't, 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 don't let the moment seize you. Don't let it paralyze you. Rather, step up to the moment and seize the moment. Because if you seize the moment, there is opportunity in every moment that you seize in life. And as a man, God wants you and I to seize the moment. In our marriages, we need to, we need to be men that seize the moment. Like, not just for sex. I'm trying. They're not saying Amen. God, God doesn't, we, don't, we can't just seize the moment for sex. We've got to seize the moment to lead our wife. We've got to be, seize the moment that, that I've only got 18 years, maybe 20 years to, to input into my daughter. I've got to seize every moment. I've got to seize every moment of opportunity. I've got to seize the moment on Sunday to serve in church. I've got to seize the moment on this lifetime that I can honor God with my tithes and offering. I've got to seize every single moment. And, and, and so for some of us, don't get caught up with, with the size of the moment. Step into the moment and seize the moment and start to lead in every area of your life, not just at work. Like men are good at leading at work. We like to conquer, but when we come home, we like, man, we sit down. We've got to learn to lead our home spiritually, man. Lead our wives. And, and, and sometimes you've got to ask your wife. There's a whole lot of ladies here. Why don't you just close your ears right now, please? You've got to ask your wife, how much, am I leading you well? Am I a good leader to you? Leading romance. Leading taking the initiative. If you want to keep your wife the way you find your wife, you've got to do what you did to get your wife. You've got to lead that moment. You've got to ask your wife, how, how can I be a better leader because listen, here's the deal. If you want to win in the moment, you know, and you need to know how to prepare for the moment. If you're going to win with your wife, you've got to ask her, what makes you feel special? Like if you're not married, how many single men in the house? Let me see your hands. Come on, raise your hands up. All the married men, look at the single men. Okay, all the married men, raise your hands. Single men, put your hands down. You know what's happening right now? You know what's happening? All the single men are saying, I wish I was married. <laughs> and all the married men are saying, no, you don't. <laughs> Just a joke. But you've got to learn to lead. My next point is this, is that define the moment. Don't let the moment define you. Allow God to strengthen you to define the moment. You see, when David stepped up to face Goliath, the odds were against him. The odds were against him. Everybody was waiting for an epic fail. And you know what I realized in life is that the odds are always going to be against us. 
As a Christ follower, you need to know when it comes to the world, the odds are against you. In South Africa, the odds are against our nation. But we know what? Even though the odds are against us, and even though you might be in a situation in your life right now, you feel, man, this, my situation is beyond hope. I tell you, it's never beyond hope when you invite Jesus into it. You see, you might feel like I'm overwhelmed. I'm outnumbered. There's more than them than there is of me. I just want to tell you right now, you may be overwhelmed. You may be outnumbered, but you are not outpowered. You see, you have a God who's waiting for you to step up in the moment so he can reveal the power that he has for your life. You see, we all, this is what I realize about my own life and I realize about men standing in this room. He said, we all have limitations. I have limitations as a pastor. I have limitations as a husband. I have limitations as a, as a father. But I can't allow my limitations to stop me from being who God's called me to be. You see, I've got to use my limitation as an invitation for God to come in and to lift the ceiling off my life so that I can go into a new level and a new dimension of the purposes and plans of God for my life in Jesus' name. This is the God we serve. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto Him who is able to do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. I can't imagine what God has for me. I can't imagine how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to overcome. But I serve a God who can imagine. I serve a God who can take my limitations. And He can do something in my life to turn my life around in Jesus' name. If you believe it, give him a better praise tonight. Amen. Because this is what I know. Is when you step up in life, God moves. See, God can't heal your marriage until you make a move. God can't heal your body until you start confessing healing and change your diet. See, when you start sowing, he starts providing. See, every time I make a move towards God, He makes a bigger move towards me. See, don't let the moment define you. You define the moment. No matter how much the odds are against you, God can move in the moment that you step up. You know, in 2014, we transitioned the church, as Pastor Byron mentioned. And, you know, we were so excited. We were, we were like so thick-skinned and, and like, we were just like really thick-skinned when I think about it now. But we were so excited. I mean, we were like, God, we're going to change this city. We're going to change our nation. And I still believe we're going to because that's what God's called us to do as a, as a, as a local church and as the, as the, as, as the global church. And, and so, so I'm like, man, we're going to do this. And you know what I realized is that, that one day I went to a church, church service on a Sunday night and a guy came up to me, a, a guy that was in our church, was, and he came up to me straight away and he said, you know what? We give you three months and this church is going to be closed. And then he goes on and he says, there's a whole lot of us watching you. I'm like, bless you, brother, in Jesus' name. Like, uh, like uh, I've never pulled a zap sign in church. And I said, God, you've got to give me a sign. <laughs> so I just came up with this one way, Jesus. <laughs> like, you can speak ugly to me? There we go. I mean, but they said, you're not going to make it. And there were limitations that were placed upon us. And you know what, man, I'm going to tell you, you know what the enemy loves to do? He loves to put limitations on us. You know why he likes to put limitations on us? Is because when you step up and you start leading, you know what happens in heaven? Heaven releases anointing. Heaven releases power. You become dangerous when you lead. You become dangerous when you stand up. And the enemy will do anything. He'll steal your confidence. He'll steal your boldness. He'll attack your courage. He'll do everything he can to stop you from being who God has called you to be. It's time for us to realize, even though we have limitations, God has ability to break those limitations over our life in Jesus' name. Jesse Owens is, a, is, the, is the first American, black American athlete to win four gold medals in the Olympic. 
1936, the Berlin Olympics. He goes to the Berlin Olympics. How he got there, he was the top athlete in his university. All the odds were against him. All the odds. They, he wasn't allowed to stay on campus because he was black. He wasn't allowed to eat in the same, um, in the same room as all of the other athletes because he was black. He only could get a takeout or he had to go to a black's only hotel or a black's only restaurant. He were, the odds were totally against him. He went to the Berlin Olympics. Hitler hated black people. He wanted a white race. He wanted to destroy everything. And, and, and he just like, he just was so, the odds were totally against him. But you know what he did? He didn't allow the odds to define who he's going to be. You know what? I want to encourage some man here tonight. Don't allow the odds to define you. Allow the voice of God to speak into your life. Allow that to define you so that God can do something amazing. And you know what? He stepped up onto the plate and he won four gold medals because he didn't allow the moment to define him. He defined the moment. Come on, we got to be men who do that. If you believe that today, come on, you believe that God is on your side, let's believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. And then the last point I want to say is this is that we've got to learn to run to the battle, not from the battle. The Bible says that David, when he saw Goliath, ran towards him. You see, when we run to the battle, we run into purpose. But when we run from the battle, we run in from responsibility. I want to encourage us, let's run to the battle. I want to tell you one more story. We got married. I was one year into our marriage. We just built this amazing house. And we were so excited, and God was blessing us. And we were so excited, and we stayed in this private estate. And uh, my wife and I, we were just like, man, God, you're so good to us. And one night we go upstairs, we go to bed, we're staying in a private estate. And so in this estate, there were some rich kids that were, hey, had some addictions. And so what had started happening in our estate is there have been some, some break-ins into the houses from the, student, from the children that were staying inside the estate. It wasn't outsiders. It was the people staying in the estate. And so one night I'm lying in bed, and so I'm like, when you're married, I want to prove to my wife I'm the man of the house. And so we lie in bed and we're sleeping and at about one o'clock in the morning, so what you need to know about, you don't need to know this, but I'll just share this, is that I'm a guy who likes to sleep freely. We'll just leave it at that. Like, you, you got a free willy, come on, amen. <laughs> and so I'm lying in bed and my wife says, Donovan, I'm like, man, what's happening? I'm thinking, yes, Lord. And she says, no go zone. She says to me, I think somebody's breaking into our house. So I'm one year married. And so I've got a decision to make. This woman, I've set vows to protect you, to provide for you. And I'm thinking these vows are running through my head. And I'm going to, Pastor Byron's like, you've got to step up to the moment. And so I step up to the moment. I like, rip those blankets off. I run down the stairs. I forget to put clothes on. And as I get to the bottom of the stairs, these guys shine a torch on me they ran in horror they obviously saw a different kind of weapon okay <laughs> but just the deal but just the deal if I never run to the battle something would have been stolen from my house and then you don't have to be fully equipped That came out so wrong. But what I'm saying to you is you just got to have the courage and the boldness and the faith to lead and step up and face whatever's trying to destroy you in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, give God a great praise today. Amen. Last thing is this. I'm going to call Pastor Byron. He's going to come and do 
close off this meeting, I just want to say this. Is that today's decisions impact future generations. See, David made a decision that would change the course of his family. That would change his destiny. He made a decision to step up in the moment. And stepping up in the moment, he would be included in the lineage of Jesus. Just because he said, I'm going to step up. It's amazing when you operate out of obedience to God and you step up in the moment, how you change your world, how you change the generations that God has for your life. Can I ask men just to stand right now? Can I ask the piano man just to just give us a little bit of energy on that keyboard right now? Because this is what we're going to do. How many men are we having in the house tonight that you've determined in your heart from tonight onwards, I'm stepping up into every moment that God is calling me to. I'm going to be a man who goes to the battle, not run to the battle. I'm going to be a man who seizes the moment, doesn't get seized in the moment, and I'm going to live the call and purpose. This is what I want us to do as a man. I really believe there's something that happens in our heart and there's power in our confession. When we confess something, it happens in the atmosphere of our lives, in the spiritual atmosphere and God can do something. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a declaration about stepping out tonight. Come on, repeat after me. I am a man of the moment. I'm filled with faith. Living with purpose. Ready to step up for God. To lead my family. I will not procrastinate. I will not live in fear. I will not back off. I will not be intimidated. I will not miss my moment. I will fight the good fight of faith. I will run my race. I will finish strong and make the most of every moment. I am powered by the Spirit of God to overcome in Jesus' name. Come on, give Him a great praise if you believe that tonight. Amen. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.